Morning, church. Rodney, I grew up singing that song a lot. I, uh, I may have told you about, we had a song leader that was in construction. He was, he was a hundred when I was growing up. And he, he had cut off these two fingers um, in construction. So when he led singing, you can take that however you want. But that's what we grew up with, So, uh, but we sang that song a lot, and uh, so good to be with you. Kelly and I are, are dog-tired. We, uh, we left Thursday to go up. Um, we had uh, Mom agreed to an estate sale, so we got rid of most of Mom's stuff, so five brothers and sisters were there, and spouses, so ten siblings, spouses, um, getting together to do stuff went very well. The Lord, uh, the Lord is good, and Mom's doing very well. She, uh, I can imagine it's tough getting rid of your stuff, even though she let us pick what we wanted, um, just to know that your stuff is being distributed. Mom's in assisted living. She's doing pretty well. Am I being recorded? I am? Mom's doing great. Mom is doing great. So uh, we uh, we called her last night. My sisters called me and said, "Here's how much we did," and it was uh, it was a blessing. People turned out, and that was a blessing. After after we y'all don't want to know this, but I've just I have to. I prayed for energy this morning, and this is my energy boost to tell you about my weekend. We we got up yesterday morning at five thirty. Estate sailed all day and drove six hours, and uh, so I prayed for energy, and I'm getting it. Give me about one more minute. And uh, so that went really well. And uh, we called mom last night and said, Mom, we did X dollars. And she's like, oh. So uh, her mood picked up a little bit. And uh, so that was really good. So I know you all ask about my mom every so often. And uh, she's in assisted living. And she's mom. She is mom. And uh, let's just go on. We're studying the 5-1 chapter books of the Bible, and today we're in Philemon. When I used to teach college classes, when I was a college minister, I would say, all right, let's talk about Philemon, and it never failed. Someone would say, who? And I said, you know, the 18th book in the New Testament, they said, who's Philemon? And I said, they, and, and I kept going on with that, and they finally they would say, it's Philemon. <laughs> so if you grew up with Philemon... That's who we're studying today. I grew up with Philemon. Let me introduce this way. Got to see uh, one of my very good friends this weekend, Dr. J. He's a family practitioner. He is a doctor. He's not the basketball player. Um, got to see Dr. J. Dr. J. Um, didn't grow. He grew up as J. J. Marshall Huser. And about 18 years old. I think I've told you this before. Um, through grandparent, through dad, they wanted him to change his name. So he changed his name from J. Marshall Huser to John Marshall Huser III. And he still goes by J., J. period. He grew up as J., and his son is John Marshall Huser IV, and he goes by Marshall. But he went through a name change. That'll come back here in just a minute when we talk about what's going on here in this book of Philemon. Here's how Paul begins this letter. He says, hey, I want you to know I'm a prisoner. This is one of the prison epistles. Maybe you've heard that before. It just means he wrote this letter from prison. And so in just a few verses, he lets us know, hey, I'm a prisoner. I'm in chains. 
I hope to be restored to you soon. And he talks about a fellow prisoner. Now, here's why I want to tell you. I just want to spend a second on that. He never considered his being in prison as a hindrance. He considered being in prison as an opportunity. His circumstances were never seen as a, wow, I can't believe God did this to me. It was a, wow, look at the opportunity that I have. As a matter of fact, if you read in Philippians, he says, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard, some translations say throughout the whole palace, and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Everybody knows I'm here because of Christ. He goes on to say in Philippians 1, Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. So the people on the inside of the prison are hearing about Jesus because Paul's preaching to them. And the people on the outside of the prison are hearing about Jesus because people are encouraged about him being in prison and speaking more boldly. So whatever opportunity comes your way, just remember, it's an opportunity to tell people about Jesus. Paul said, hey, I'm a prisoner. I'm in jail. But he's fixing to tell us about somebody he converted while he was in jail. So your opportunities, um, your, whatever's coming your way is an opportunity. Now, again, just briefly, this is Paul. Read through all of Paul's letters. 99% of the time, here's how he starts. Grace to you and peace to you from God our Father. I always thank my God for you. I always remember you in my prayers. I hear about your faith. I hear about your love. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith, your love. He's such an encourager. Always positive. In a world where it's not, it's not difficult to find discouragement, you get beat down every day. People beat you down every day. Paul writes a letter like he always does and said, Hey, I, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. I want you to know I hear about your faith. I want you to know I hear about your love. It's a huge pick-me-up. So the only reason I mention that before we get to the meat of these few verses is, hey, how about this week you go out and be Paul? How about this week you go out and be positive? How about this week you go out and encourage somebody? Because we're full of discouragement. But that's how he begins his letters. That's typical Paul, even though it's just a few verses. But here's the meat of the letter. Here's what he wants us to know. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. So again, he's a prisoner. He's in jail. And he's going to tell us about Onesimus. Not a name you hear very often. I don't know that I've ever heard a child named Onesimus. I don't know that I've ever heard parents say, Onesimus, you get back in this house right now. So it's not a real common name. So who was Onesimus? Well, as you read through these few verses, 25 verses, he's going to tell us about Onesimus, but let me tell you a few things. Onesimus was a slave. He belonged to Philemon. All right? At that time, there were probably 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. And he was just another slave. He was Philemon's slave. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you don't feel that way. Maybe you do. But we all belong to somebody else in some way or another. You go to work. Many of you will go to work tomorrow and you belong. You're a slave to your boss. So you can relate to Onesimus. Some of y'all feel that way in relationships. Some of y'all feel that way as husbands, as wives. I'm just a slave to 
Children feel that way. I'm just my kid, my, my parents' slaves. They make me take out the trash and mow the yard. I'm just their slave. They just brought me into this world to be their slave. That's right. <laughs> Don't you ever forget that. So Onesimus was a slave. Let me tell you this about Onesimus. He's a fugitive. He's on the run. He's trying to get away from Philemon. Why? Because Onesimus is a thief. He's robbed Philemon. He stole something. We don't know what it was. So because of him stealing something, let me ask you this. Maybe you can identify with being a slave. Have you ever stole anything? Oh, I know. We don't like to word it that way. Borrowed for the rest of your life. Have you ever done something like that? You ever stolen some supplies from work? Pen, paper clips, notepads. It's called stealing. Just want to clear that up. You ever not paid your taxes? You know, Malachi talks about robbing God. We steal from God. When we don't give back to God, we're robbing God. So we could relate to Onesimus that way. We're all thieves. We rob in one way or another. I know you didn't come to church today for the preacher. To, wow, preacher called me a thief. Well, in one way or another, we all, through human nature and sin, that's us. Onesimus is a fugitive. He's running from Philemon. He's running from the authorities. Maybe he's running from God. You ever been on the run? Ever tried to run from your past? Ever tried to run from some wrongdoing? Ever tried to run from some skeletons in the closet? Ever tried to run from God? Ever tried to run from... Well, maybe you can relate to Onesimus. But check this out. Here's the good news. Onesimus became a brother. Onesimus is now a Christian. Wow, what happened? Well, I don't know. Somewhere in the runaway, go to Rome, get away from Philemon, get away from God, get away from the authority, somehow, somehow, he comes across Paul. Maybe Philemon had talked about Paul so much that when he's in Rome in prison, I don't know, maybe he went and looked Paul up. Whatever it was, God put Paul in Onesimus' path. And because of that, you know what Paul's going to do. Hey, brother, you got a minute? Let me talk to you about Jesus. Let me share Jesus with you. And he shared the good news and he studied with Onesimus. And Onesimus decided to respond to the God. Has, has God ever put somebody in your path? Has God ever put you in somebody else's path? Onesimus was on a collision course with Paul. And Paul took advantage of the opportunity, even though he was in jail... And Onesimus becomes a brother. So that's the good news. But listen, in the midst of the good news and in, in all this going on, look what he says about Onesimus. He said, formerly he was useless. Ever had anybody tell you that? You're, you're useless. You're good for nothing. You have no value to me. You're not worth anything. Maybe a parent told you that. Maybe a boss told you that. Maybe a spouse told you that. Formerly he was useless, but now he's useful. Formerly he was not profitable, now he's profitable. Formerly he was useless, now he is... Onesimus' name, the reason I told you about my friend Dr. J who had his name changed, Onesimus means useful. I get the impression his name was changed. I get the impression that for whatever reason in the past, 
Maybe he didn't have good work ethic. Maybe he was lazy. Maybe he wasn't useful in some way. Maybe he wasn't profit- profitable. And maybe when he became... You can read all through the Bible. People's names were changed for a lot of different reasons. So maybe when Paul studied with him and, and he became a Christian, maybe Paul said, you know what, we need to change your name. Formerly you were useless. Now you're Onesimus. Now you're useful. Isn't that awesome? Wow. So he encounters Paul and he finds out that he uh, he needs Jesus and he becomes a Christian. And, and now he's useful. But now what? You're a slave and you're robbed from your master. So so what do, what do we do with that now, Paul? OK, it's good news that he becomes a Christian. But, you know, he's kind of got some stuff hanging over him. So look what Paul says. Paul says, although in Christ. I could be bold. He's writing to Philemon, the master of Onesimus. I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. As an apostle of Jesus Christ, because of my authority, I could say, Philemon, let me tell you what you're going to do. But he says, no, I'm not going to do that. I appeal to you on the basis of love. I appeal to you as an old man. Paul's not getting any younger. I appeal to you as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. So he's making the appeal because Paul knows Onesimus stole. Paul knows Onesimus ran from his master. Paul knows in that day that slaves were just property. They weren't really considered people. Paul knows that he has an obligation back to Philemon. But listen, it's one thing to send Onesimus back. It's another thing for Philemon to receive. So notice what Paul says. I'm sending him who's my very heart. I would have liked to keep him with me to help me. I didn't want to do anything without touching base with you first. I'm sending him back no longer as a slave, but better than a slave. I'm sending him back as a brother, as a Christian. He's very dear to me, but even dearer to you. But as a man and as a brother in the Lord, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he's done you any wrong or owes you anything, check this out, check this out. You charge it to me. You charge it to me, Paul. He says, I'll pay it back. Wow. Now, folks, that's some pretty strong words there. That's some pretty strong terminology. Paul says, listen, whatever he owes you, I'll pay his debt. Whatever he owes you, you put it on my account. It's called the doctrine of imputation. Maybe you've never heard of that. But to impute means you put it on somebody else's account. What's that song we sing? Jesus paid a debt that he didn't know. He owed a debt that I couldn't pay. It's a doctrine of imputation. Jesus said, hey, hey, God, Father, listen. Whatever these people owe you, you put it on my account. So when Jesus went to the cross, he said, you put their sins on my account. When Jesus went to the cross, whatever we've done, whatever we do, whatever we're going to do, Jesus said, hey, God, hey, Father, Will you put whatever they've done on my account? I'll pay it. That's what Paul told Philemon. Hey, I'm going to send him back. He's a brother in Christ. He's a Christian. But I I know he owes you some money. And so just to clear it up, I'll pay his debt. Isn't that some good words? Don't you like the way Paul operates when he does that? Check this out. I was reading this this week. Some 50 years after Paul wrote to Philemon... 
Ignatius, the bishop, bishop of Antioch, was being taken to Rome to be executed. And on the, along the way, he wrote a letter to the church at Ephesus. And in that letter, he extolled their wonderful bishop, the bishop at Ephesus, by the name of Onesimus. And he referred to this man exactly as Paul did. He said, Onesimus means useful or profitable. And, he, and Ignatius wrote, he is Onesimus by name and Onesimus by nature, the profitable one to Christ. Many authors think that the Onesimus you read about in Philemon became the Bishop Onesimus over the church at Ephesus. So he did become useful. He did become profitable. He was valuable. But that's what God does to people. He gives value to people. So what's the takeaway from Philemon? Let me tell you this. You know what Onesimus needed? He needed Jesus. And he found him in Paul. You know what we need? We need Jesus. You know what Onesimus needed? He needed forgiveness. And just because Paul wrote to, um, just because Paul wrote to Philemon doesn't mean he was going to get forgiveness. That's why Paul wrote, hey, listen, I'm sending him back. I could order you what to do. But you know what Onesimus needed? He needed forgiveness. You know what we need? We need forgiveness. We need forgiveness from God. Scripture reading today, it's pretty simple. If you don't forgive, God's not going to forgive you. Why should God forgive you of great debt and you not forgive folks of small debt? So, so maybe this is the biggest thing about Philemon. You, you need forgiveness from God. Maybe you need forgiveness from somebody else. Maybe you need to go to somebody and say, you know what, I've wronged you. Just like Onesimus needed to go to Philemon, I've wronged you. I stole from you. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Maybe you need to do that to somebody. Maybe a relationship. Maybe a boss, maybe a co-worker. But here, listen, listen, listen. <clears throat> maybe the most powerful thing you could do this week is to extend forgiveness to somebody. Maybe there's somebody in your life who has wronged you. That you have the power to say, I forgive you. Maybe the most powerful thing you could do this week is to forgive somebody. I like this quote I found this week. Forgiveness is surrendering my right to hurt you for hurting me. Forgiveness is surrendering my right to hurt you for hurting me. Listen, we've all wronged somebody. We've all wronged God. We want God to extend forgiveness to us. Maybe the most powerful thing we can do this week is to extend forgiveness to somebody. Because maybe there's somebody in your life who's miserable. They know you, they've done you wrong. And they don't know how you're going to respond. And maybe you could initiate and say, listen, listen, listen. Whatever happened last week, last month, last year, ten years ago, I just want you to know I'm good with that. I'm good with you. I forgive you. I don't know what was going on, but I want you to know I forgive you. Let me tell you something. You will relieve a burden from somebody's life. But I know what we're thinking. 
Well, why should I do that? Richie, you don't know how they hurt me. You don't know what they did to me. I know what we did to Jesus. And I know those nails we put in him. And I know my wrongs that put him on the cross. Why should I do that? Because he did that for me. Listen, folks, God, God doesn't want to change your name. I know you read about that in the Bible. I know Onesimus' name was Onesimus's name was changed. God didn't want to change your name. He wants to change you. The change in Onesimus was not in name. It was a change in behavior. It was a change in his heart. It was a change in the direction of his future. It was a change when he went back to... He was going to be a changed man going back to work to Philemon. It was a change about everything. That's what God wants to change. It's easy to change a name. But only God can change a heart. Only God can change someone who, who maybe feels like or actually is useless. And God says, you know what? You have value to me. And give value to us. So God doesn't want to change your name. He wants to change you. That's why we offer the invitation of Jesus Christ. Jesus wants to change you. He wants to change your speech. He wants to change the way you think. He wants to change your, behaction, your, your behavior and your actions. He wants to change the way husbands and wives treat each other. He wants to change the way we treat our children and the way our children teach. God wants to change us. Onesimus was a changed man. And God wants to change us too. So we're going to offer the invitation of Jesus Christ. We offer baptism every Sunday... We offer baptism seven days a week. We offer baptism anytime you want baptism. I told you this many times. It's not to join our church. It's to join with Jesus. It's to join His church. It's for Jesus to make you a new creation. It's for Jesus to change everything about you. If you want to respond to the invitation today, we give you that opportunity. We'll take you up into this baptistry and we will put you down in that water and you'll come up changed, cleansed, your sins washed away, just like Onesimus, just like other brothers and sisters in here, we offer that to you today. And we're going to sing a song to encourage you to do that. We're going to sing a song so that as we're singing and people are praying, maybe your mind's thinking, you know, I need to make a change in my life. But guess what? You can't make a change in your life. Only God can. If you want to meet with some of our shepherds and go to a private room where they can embrace you in prayer, you can go to the back of the auditorium. Whatever your need is today, would you allow Jesus to change your life as we stand and sing?